everybody. It is Corey Poirier and so excited to be back with the latest episode of the Let's Do Influencing show and really excited to have a brand new guest with me today as well. And uh, this is a first time guest and our listeners, regular listeners especially know, love bringing on brand new guests with us and introducing them to our audience and vice versa. And so Clement McGrath, Really excited to bring you on today, and I think probably the best starting point would be to get you to tell us perhaps just a little bit about your journey and backstory for our listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time. Okay, I can do that. Thank you, Corey. Um, I've been knocking around on this earth for 69 years, so I could talk for quite a while, but I won't. <laughs> came, came from a fairly average background, you know, sort of upper, upper working class, lower middle class family, um, very religious family, almost to the point of being fundamentalist. So I strongly, <clears throat> excuse me, I strongly influenced by those influences in my earlier life. Uh, but the interesting thing for me was from an early age, I never felt that I could fit into the usual expectations that people had, especially going right back into the mid 20th century. You, you grow up, you leave school, you get a job, you work for 40 years, then you retire and play with your grandchildren. Uh, I always had this desire, like this thing inside me that I knew I wanted to do something very different and I knew that something very different was calling me. Had no idea what it was, but I knew you know, the idea of just living a regular life just was anathema, <laughs> like death to the soul. And I wanted, uh, and I knew it was to do with consciousness. I knew that we could expand more than what people around me were doing, that we could, uh, we had greater potentials than what I saw people doing and stuff like that. So pretty much the, the first part of my life after from teenage years on was very much a search in all sorts of ways, searching through different philosophies, uh, trying different practices, uh, drugs, got into drugs big time in my mid-20s, smoking hash and LSD and all sorts of stuff. That was fun, yeah. uh, which was incredible because that just opened me up as well. I thought, wow so much is available, but that didn't really help either. And I finally discovered meditation. I, do, I learned transcendental meditation in the late 70s when I was about um, oh, yeah, in my mid-20s. And that just opened up a whole new world. So from that time on, I really studied yoga, meditation, Eastern philosophy, Buddhism, Zen, all those things which were becoming very popular around that time. And through that time also, I trained to be a complementary health practitioner. I, I studied homeopathy and naturopathy, and I had a mentor who taught me energy work, energy healing and mind-body connection and what we can do with energy and all that sort of stuff. So I started my practice as a private consultant in 1984, 34 years ago. And started working with people with just with general health problems, the whole lot. And that progressed. That has progressed over the time. But always my interest was, you know, what, what is our greatest potential? What are we all about? What can we achieve? What, what, have we, what haven't we not even realized yet? Uh, I, those questions were always important to me. And I always had the sense that we could have a direct experience 
of what people would call the ultimate reality, whether you call it God in religious terms or the universe, rather than just knowing about it, that we could actually experience it in a direct way, in a way that I hadn't experienced in the past or people around me weren't doing either. So that's been a real driving force in my life, which has led me right through to the present day. My work has changed over the years. Of these days, I'm more involved in online work, which wasn't available back 20, 30 years ago, uh, and basically having huge fun doing the whole lot. So I better stop there, otherwise I could talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. No, that is, that's awesome. And so I guess then, you know, and I know you touched on it in there as well, but I'm curious, I always like to know sort of the driving force and principle. And, you know, if you could, I guess, sort of uh, maybe uh, sum it up to one or two times or things that sort of drove everything for you. Is there anything that kind of you can see that you know, sort of became the catalyst uh, for why you're so passionate about what you're doing today? Yes, there's a couple of incidents that spring to mind. Well, I haven't thought about these for years, my God. One of them was I was quite young, I was maybe seven, eight, nine around that time. There's a beautiful, warm, sunny summer's Sunday afternoon. And with our house, <clears throat> excuse me, just below the lounge window, there's this little strip of garden which we never, ever used. We used to walk across it to go and get in the car. So it become like dust, basically. And my father was out in the driveway doing something with the car. And I was just playing around. And I, I was in my bare feet. And I was standing in this little dusty patch. And I started rubbing my feet back and forth on the, on the warm dust, just out of fun. And suddenly something happened. And it just blew me away. It was like the, the words I would use was like suddenly like a river of ecstasy just flowed through me. It's like you take simple physical pleasure and magnify that a hundred thousand times. It's like, whoa, it's like every single cell was tingling and vibrating and just this amazing sense of pleasure and ecstasy, like a whole body orgasm, even though I didn't know about orgasms at the age of eight. <laughs> uh, and that, yeah, that, and time went on, yeah, that was fine, but it stayed with me, I thought, wow, it just really confirmed for me that, my God, we can experience so much more than what we think we can. And then many years later, I was about oh, 1920, and I spent some time over in Australia, and I was way out in the outback in Australia. And I was working with these guys, and it happened two or three times. We were working on a, a big uh, sheep station out in the, almost out in the, in the desert. And over a period of a few weeks, this happened, this, had this really clear experience of suddenly like the, the core of my identity would shift. And rather than just being Clement, who's doing this work and talking to these guys and just hanging out and doing whatever we're doing, suddenly it's like I was a, another awareness watching Clement do that. And I was fully engaged in both. I was fully engaged in talking to these guys and what we were doing, but there's also this other awareness was just there like as a silent witness, just watching all this going on. It's like, like watching a video of yourself. Years later, when I was doing Transcendental Meditation, I learned that that is a particular state of consciousness 
that Maharishi used to talk about. He used to call it the fourth state of consciousness, the witnessing consciousness, which is always there, but is not caught up in the personality and the mind and the, all that stuff, just watching it all. So they, those two experiences, I could think of many more, but I, you know, I won't take up too much time. Those two experiences really stand out as being significant in keeping me really searching and staying on that path. Wow. So, you know, I guess shifting gears a little bit, uh, Clement, in terms of life coaching and coaching in general, I'm yep. curious. So this is a question I ask anybody related to the coaching field at all. So that's a little heads up. But basically, yep. I'm wondering your thoughts on this. There's no, I'm going to say it this way, for lack of a better way of saying it, there's no shortage of coaches out there in various yep. different fields, life coaching, and then also business coaching, and, and various different aspects of coaching, and also various different, um, let's say, principles or areas that they focus on. But I think the challenge for the average person, first of all, getting past the idea, do I need a coach? And, you know, I'm a believer in that great quote that says all great coaches have great coaches. But yep. I guess the, the other side, which is, I think, a big, as big a challenge for a lot of people, is how to choose the right coach. Because where there's so many people as coaches, dare I say, there's probably some that aren't great. And there's some that maybe are, you know, just seeing it as an opportunity to earn money and not really caring that much about helping people. So if you're the person on the other end that wants to hire a coach, do you have tips? And, and I mean, if, if you're that person, if you were in their shoes, do you have tips that you can share with them for how they can make sure they're picking a coach that really cares about them, a coach is going to make the impact or difference? Uh, if that makes sense, how can you choose between the wrong coach and the right coach? Yeah, great question, because those challenges certainly exist for people, that's for sure. Um, in a very general way, what I would say is do your research. Now, these days, with the whole online presence and Google and Facebook and everything else, it is very, very easy to find out about people. And you can go onto blog sites and read people's reviews and stuff like that. And if a coach is really worth the assault, and if they, um, if they stand on what they do, they'd be more than happy to make information available about who they are, what they do, what they've achieved with people, etc. And I know on my own website, I'm more than happy to put testimonials on and things like that. I am also very aware that it's a temptation just to put on the good testimonials and leave out the other ones. <laughs> but uh, that's the first thing, is do your research yeah, talk to others, if it's somebody in your own town, or try and find out about the person. The second thing I would say is get very clear about what you actually want from the coach. Do you want just an action plan to take your life forward? Or do you really want to start a new in your life and overhaul your whole life? Do you feel you want somebody who can help you resolve deeper issues? whether they're emotional issues, relationship issues, whatever. So really get very clear about what you want from the coach and then find the coaches who specialize in those things. You'll find, for example, coaches who very openly say, I'm a success coach, so that I will, you know, I will go through this process with you and I will help you to adopt the success mindset and I'll help you to create your action plan. And if they are credible and they can do what they say, well, that's the person for you. You can get relationship coaches. You can get life direction coaches. You can get crisis coaches, coaches who will help you through a crisis, whether it's the death of a loved one or whatever. 
So if you're really clear about what you want and you've also done your research, then that's a good foundation. And the third thing, the responsibility I'd put back onto the potential client is to be prepared to do the work as well. And what I mean by that is I've had many, many clients over the years who just want me to do the work for them. Because tell me what to do. Yeah, will you come out and do it with me? They say, no, I won't do that. You've got to do your own work. You've got to cooperate. And when I see clients, I always give them homework to do. And that could be personal homework on shifting their mindset or letting go of a fear through to something very external. Could be doing some cold calling or putting out their CV. And if they're not prepared to really cooperate with the process, then it can become easy to blame the coach. So, oh, well, he didn't really give me what I wanted, etc. So there are three ideas that popped into my mind straight away. Is, is that answering your question? It, it sure is, and, and, and actually generated a new, maybe uh, really short question, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, because I'm sure you've run into this, especially as you know, much time as you spent in the coaching field, and indirectly and directly, but I'm sure you've run into that scenario where, I mean, obviously we know there's clients that, let's say, for lack of a better way of saying it, can't be coached because you know maybe they don't want to be or they're negative or they fight with you the whole time and and I obviously know that you're not going to hopefully keep that client on very long but the flip side or the other aspect is what about and and I mean I'm just curious your thoughts and it's a tough question I know because there's a lot of variables but there's probably some people that um as a coach what they're trying and I know we like to say everybody can achieve their dreams and, and et cetera, et cetera. But there's gotta be scenarios where you run into to a time where an, a client who's looking for a coach, what they're trying to achieve and you know, maybe they're planning to do it and they just want the coach's guidance and, and the coaching on it. But what they're trying to achieve is probably fairly close to impossible for them. And as a coach, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a responsibility as a coach to, to tell them that? Or, you know, because the flip side is if they think they can achieve it, but you know it's almost impossible, they could spend a lot of money trying to achieve something that might not be impossible. And, you know, just a weird random example could be they have it themselves convinced that they're going to be able to play in the uh, National Back, you know, Basketball Association or the yeah. football yeah. And they don't have that. They don't mm. even have the background or training. They're wanting to start from scratch at forty-five years old. I mean, it may <laughs> yes, be possible, exactly. but it's obviously very unrealistic. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Funnily enough, for me personally, I've I've experienced that very, very little over the years. The odd person here and there, they got an idea to say, no, that's just not going to work at all. Um, and we got, of course, we had a training course as well. I know one of our coaches who became one of the facilitators for our course, and he's very blunt. He really sort of tells you how it is uh, in the best possible way. And he had this client who was you know, 40 years or so, and he wanted to be an astronaut. And Rob, our coach, says, oh, I know how you can do that. The guy says, how? He says, stick a rocket up your ass. <laughs> Being rather blunt there. Uh, but yeah, that does happen. Um, and it certainly is the responsibility of the coach to, to, to be realistic with that person. If they're just deluding themselves, then nobody's being served by that. They're not going to achieve those dreams because they are impossible. The coach is going to be frustrated because they can't do what the work they really want to do with them. Uh, and nobody wins, basically. So, yeah, the, the coach, uh, I think 
a, a large responsibility of a coach is keep on bringing everything back to the client's life. How does this look and shape up in your life? How does it fit into your life? Or another way of putting that, how, do, how can your life grow into this? And if it's just out of the ballpark, it's not going to happen, then the coach, I believe, is being dishonest if they keep having the person coming along with some sort of false hope that they're going to, as I say, become an NBA player and they're 45 years old and totally out of condition. Just crazy. Um, the other thing as well, though, with that, there will be some reason, there'll be some psychological reason why that's important to that person. The, the goal might be unrealistic, but the feeling around the goal or the quality could be something really important for them. So one thing that I do with people is if I hear something like that, my first question is, well, what does that mean to you? If you were to achieve that, what would that mean? How would it feel? What would it do for you as a person in your life? And it's usually some quality like, oh, it'd give me freedom or give me a, like a whole new start, or yeah, it would prove that I'm okay, whatever it might be. I said, that's fantastic. That's what's important. So coming back to your life, how can we find more realistic ways to find that freedom, or to prove that you're okay, whatever it might be. So it's, it's not helpful just to dismiss it, and say, oh, get, it, get your head out of the clouds, mate. Find out why it's important and then how you can bring that quality into their lives in a realistic way. Yeah, I love that. And, and yeah, and it's important as well, I think, on the other side. And, and that's why I was careful to, you know, pick something like that, uh, you know, in terms of something that was, I'm going to say, we could all say probably is, is, far out there not you know not saying it can't happen again I always I'm always careful to say that but at the same time you know it's it's obviously important that the person doesn't you know discourage them for something that might seem unrealistic but it's not impossible you know so for an instance or for example whenever I started out in my journey I had teachers telling me that I wouldn't amount to anything and all this kind of stuff and you know yeah. sure those same teachers if TED talks weren't really a big thing then but I've delivered three now, and I'm sure those same teachers, would, if they knew what a TED Talk was at the time, would have said, there's no chance, you're, you're you know, you're right. yep. your own butt. it'll never happen. Uh, best-selling book, I'm sure people would tell me you could never write a best-selling book. And, and yep. on the flip side, I was, I would admittedly say I was, I feel I was tone deaf music-wise when I was growing up, and I have four CDs out, and one of them's a Rock Recording of the Year, not, you know, nominee CD. So the truth is, I'm sure somebody, if they saw me at the time, would say, that's not realistic. But there's a far difference between me saying, doing that, and then me saying, I want to sell 100 million albums, and yeah. I'm going to start doing it tomorrow, and I've never picked up a guitar. You know, so I think... Yeah. And you could even say, you know what, that might be possible, but I think, you know, you have to set your goals a lot smaller to start, at least. You know, and, and maybe that's the big dream, but don't say that you, you want the coach to get you there in the next year. Totally, to totally agree with all of that. And what you're saying there is you experience, like so many of us do, what I call the knockers. The people who are saying, oh, that won't work. Now, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. People who are stuck in their own limitations and negativity and want to project it onto you as well. So it's, I think it's, and you listen to people who have succeeded brilliantly and they've often had to overcome stuff like that, either 
severe limitations in their own background or those types of messages that they got from many, many people. So that's, that's part of our growth and journey. But yeah, at the same time, to be realistic and to be honest with ourselves as well. And uh, for me, with our coaching and what we believe has made it you know, quite unique is we don't only focus on where you want to go in your life and how successful you want to be and what dreams you want to realize. It's all very much also about self-awareness and being honest with yourself and identifying what we call your shadow, all those things that could hold you back and limit you and unresolved fears, whatever it might be. So if a person's prepared to engage in that side as well, and be really honest with themselves and, and be humble in that process, then there's far less likelihood that they'll get caught up in delusional dreams. I'm prompted to tell you an anecdote because I'm also very aware of the importance of always, always, always thinking outside the box. Many years ago, I was invited to teach a class. A friend of mine, she used to teach this class for at-risk teenagers who dropped out of school, maybe got involved in drugs and stuff like that. They are having a second chance to come back and, and continue their education. And she was going overseas for a while, so I stepped in and took her to class. And we had a discussion one day about this very topic, about what you can and can't do as human beings. You know, she well, there are limitations. There are some things that you just cannot do as a human being. I said, for example, a human being can't run a mile in one minute. Mm -hmm. And then this fellow put his hand up. And he said, excuse me, sir. He said, I think that a human being could. And I said, really? Tell me how. He says, well, what you could do is get a cardboard box and knock the bottom out of the box so you can actually stand in the box. He said, okay, and then when you stand in the box, then you give the, the box a name. And the name could be one minute. So you call your box one minute, then you stand in the box and run a mile, and you'll run a mile in one minute. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> Isn't it great? And even though just by making a joke, basically, it's such a powerful reminder to always be thinking outside the box as well. How could it be done? Wow. It may be for a hundred generations, people have said, no, it can't be done, but what if it could? And therefore, how could it? I think those sorts of questions are so important as well. I, I even love that because there's like a, a couple of metaphors going on at once because it's also the fact that he's thinking outside the box about how to run inside the box. <laughs> you know, like Yes, yes, of course, yeah, <laughs> come on. Inside the, the box that he's going to create so he can run inside it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. So, uh, Clement, as we start to wind down, and there's never enough time for these interviews, so with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued, and maybe we'll we'll bring you back on for a part two, if that works. Sure, right. yeah, yeah, but, I'd love to talk. So, yeah, no worries. <laughs> awesome, but before we run off, I got a couple, just a couple last quick questions for you. Um, one, in terms of holistic coaching, for those that are, perhaps listening and want to learn more about you and, and I'm going to ask you shortly how they can learn more uh, but you know I guess in the interim can you tell them and tell us a little bit about what holistic coaching looks like versus maybe life coaching you know when somebody thinks because most people hear the term life coaching or business coaching and, um, and I think I have a feel for what holistic coaching is but what does it mean to you okay yep well 
First of all, I'd say that life coaching should be holistic coaching, but quite often it's not. Now, when we started our company, Life Coach Associates, back almost 20 years ago, life coaching was not known very much at all, especially out here in New Zealand, maybe more in the States, in Europe, etc. Um, and we started this, but it was also quite well known in Australia. And with my business partner and I, we looked at what was available and what people were calling life coaching uh, was often focused very much on goals and goal setting and being more successful and time management and positive thinking and all that type of stuff, which is all great stuff. I'm not knocking that at all. And there are coaches out there who are brilliant at helping people to get focused, to move forward in the whole lot. But certainly Bill and I, my business partner, because of our backgrounds, we, we weren't satisfied with that. We knew that there were deeper levels or more complete levels of awareness that we could support people to have. So to try and answer your question in a nutshell, holistic coaching looks at the whole person and takes everything into consideration. That is their body, their, their thinking process, their, their background, their history, their relationships, their hopes and dreams, the work that they're doing, uh, the environment they live in, and taking account of all that, putting their goals into that context as well. I'll give you another little example very quickly. I know time is running short. I had a woman came to me uh, and she wanted to set some goals uh, and she, she had set them and they hadn't worked out. And so I went to another life coach and so I paid them big, big money and we set some goals that didn't work out. And so I started moving towards the goals. Then I sort of got distracted and gave up, etc. And so now you're two years down the track. I paid all that money and I've got no further ahead. So we talked it through and I explained the way I work, etc. So she agreed to come on as a client. And the first question I asked her, I said, tell me more about what happened there. And she explained the pattern. And I said to her, and she was in her mid-30s, this woman, and I said to her, where do you think that pattern came from? And quick as a flash, at all, when I was 12 years old. I said, oh, okay, what, do you, what happened there? And what happened, she grew up on a farm, a real tomboy, lived the, loved the outdoor life, loved the animals, all that. And over here in New Zealand, of course, our seasons are different. So the start of the new year, just after New Year, she's suddenly told at the age of 12, you're off to boarding school in two weeks' time. Yeah, and just totally out of the blue. And she's sent off to the big city into a boarding school. And she said, I can remember as a 12, 13-year-old sitting in school, hating it and thinking, what's the point? Now, 25 years later, when she's trying to work out those, uh, I mean, achieve those goals, the same thought would come up. Oh, what's the point? It won't work out. Da -da. Then she'd give up and sabotage herself. Uh, so I said to her, we need to forget about those goals just for the moment and resolve and clear this issue that you've carried for 25 years. If we do that, then you'll achieve your goals. When we did that, we did over a couple of sessions and I engaged in some deep uh, healing process with her that I take people through. She cleared that and then within a couple of months, she'd achieved those goals. She'd, she'd gone on and got a better job that she loved to, wanted to do the whole lot. So that's a little example of holistic coaching. 
if we leave some parts of the person out or some parts of their consciousness, it may come back to bite us. <laughs> okay. I love that. And such a great distinction. So thanks so much for sharing that. And my last official question, and then the unofficial question is just going to be how we can learn more. Uh, but yep. the last official question is, is the question I like to ask every guest we bring on the show, Clement. So uh, I'll have to ask you before we let you run as well. But if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, based on all the things that you've learned in the years since, and you could give him one or two pieces of life advice, what do you think you might tell him? Wow. <laughs> wow. I've never been asked that question before. Uh, big what one. Would I yeah, what would I tell him? First of all, I would tell him that he is good enough. He doesn't need to doubt himself. He doesn't need to have fear of not being good enough. I'd tell him that. The second, oh, there's so many things to get it into two. Uh, the second thing I would tell him to really honor time, to really seize the day, as Robin Williams said, carpe diem. You know, I can look back over my life and my God, you know, I've, I've achieved a lot and been very, I'm very proud of what I have achieved, but I could have achieved so much more if I had honored time a lot more going back through my life. So, wow. yeah, I think at the moment those two, oh my God, there's so many things, but I'll, I'll stay with those two. Okay, yeah. no, that's, that's perfect. Those are both great uh Great pearls of wisdom. And so, Clement, the last question, I've teased towards it a couple of times now, uh, but I call it the unofficial question, but it's simply, and, and I say simply, it's perhaps the most important one for people that have been listening that want to reach out to you, want to learn more about your work, what you do, uh, connect with you, all those kind of things. Where would you normally send people? Okay. Well, I have an official website, Life Coaches, or www.lifecoachassociates, it's all one word, .co.nz. So that's been going for a while now. I don't actually use that so much these days, but it's there. Uh, and people can visit that. It gives an overview of the coaching and our services and what we provide. It has the contact page. They can send an email. Here's our phone numbers, things like that. So that's probably the official website way that people can find me. I'm on Facebook, Clement McGraw on Facebook. They can find me there. I'm being 69 years old, I'm also a bit of a dinosaur as far as it comes to um, technology. So I'm not so um, prevalent on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. But certainly through the website, through the Facebook page. Um, also, what I'm doing and, and coming up in June, I'm offering a free webinar with a, a colleague of mine living in Florida. Uh, and there's a landing page that if people are interested in that, it's going to be about three keys for allowing miracles to appear in your life. A free webinar, and if they go to yourmiraclesandmastery.com, that's just simply a landing page that gives you a little, little overview of what the webinar is about. They can register for that. And then, of course, they can come on the webinar and learn more about what I teach and I'll, I'll give them some exercises that they can practice and some perspectives that they can apply in their lives. So if anybody wants that direct experience, I'm also on LinkedIn, of course, Clement McGraw on LinkedIn. They can find me there. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the main ways, I, main ways that I have. People, I'm getting myself very tongue-tied there. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that, that's per perfect. I, uh, I, I will recommend that they head over there and, and I'll go over and, and check out the webinar page myself as well. And, and of course, definitely check out your uh, Life Coach Associates page and we're connected on Facebook. And, and I think that's where these days a lot, a lot of stuff happens, especially a lot more dynamic stuff, you know, stuff that's happening in the moment. You know, uh, websites, love them, God bless them. But at the same time, I find it's definitely a lot more static where you go there. And, and for most people, the website, you know, might look the same a year later or at least a month later. And uh, yeah. social media is, is kind of, you have no choice, but it's, it's got to be to some degree always moving forward. So I think it makes sense for them to connect with you on Facebook. And then, as you mentioned, on the webinar site and then Life Coach Associates site as well. So thank you so much, Clement. And like I said, I'll call this to be continued. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I so appreciate you taking the time to share with us today. And I know so many people are interested in learning about the importance of having a coach, uh, being a coach, all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much for sharing some insight with us about that today as well. You're welcome. I love to talk. So my pleasure. And uh, yeah, let's have some fun. If we do it again, I'll, I'd love to come on again and do it again. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. So thank you for the opportunity, Corey. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks again, Clement. We'll chat soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.